Morning. I'm more excited. Morning, church. How you, you can stop, but stay standing just for a moment. How you doing? There's a great vibe in the house today. There's a great sense of God in this place. Sundays are definitely my favorite day of the week. Uh, I remember meeting with a group of pastors, and, and one of them just said, oh, Sunday's my worst day of the week. I, he was a senior pastor. I really don't, don't like it. I'm like, wow, oh, thanks for the heads up. I'm never coming to your church. <laughs> wow, gee, oh dear. I, I love Sundays. It's a, I find that just meeting together with the church family energizes me. I find that when we, we worship and we open up our hearts to God in this place of worship, I just find that the presence of God comes into my heart where there's fear on certain things. Faith comes into my heart. Where I was worried about stuff, peace comes into my heart. You've made a great choice to be in church today. And I'm, it looks like you're sitting beside someone pretty spectacular too, which I'm very happy about for you. That doesn't mean you can spend the next 20 minutes talking to them. Right now, it was just like, a, yeah, it's a lot of love in the room, which is awesome. Hey, I want, to, um, I want to pray for some people in a moment. So you can grab your seat. Thank you. I want to just read a, a message out. I got a message uh, on Wednesday night, just while we were actually at United from one of our pastors. And uh, a week or so ago, we were running a national conference and we had, and uh, I, I spent a little bit of time on the final night praying for people for healing. And so I got I sent this photo of a young guy, and his name's Zach. He's a youth leader. Uh, he was staring down the barrel of shoulder surgery with a six-month recovery period uh, where he couldn't do any, any physical work. Uh, he's a carpenter. So he, he came out on the altar call on Thursday night, which was for people who'd been in constant pain for a number of years, like continual pain. Uh, the doctors operated, and they couldn't find the tear that they'd seen on the MRI. I did some minor cleaning up. He's home today. No recovery period, almost no recovery period necessary. It's a miracle. Uh, that's the God that we serve. He does miracles all the time. And uh, pretty much every week in our church, we would see God touch or heal someone uh, in a physical way. And the reason he, does, he heals people in a physical way is because God, even deeper than that, is he wants to get into our emotional world, into our heart. He wants to get into our spiritual world and where we're sick and disconnected from God. He wants to bring healing so that we can have a relationship with Him that's real and that's powerful. You're created for that. You're created for a relationship with God. And so what I want to do right now, just as Jesus did, if you read the Bible all over the place, He prayed for people. He, he put His hands on people. He spoke over people. He cast demons out of people. And people got healed wherever He went. And we believe here in this church that that's the mark of a New Testament church that represents Jesus. So this morning, I just want you to stand up through, through all the services this morning, um, all the services, it sounds like there's like five, doesn't there? There's two, but maybe there'll be more one day. But anyway, that's enough for right now. Um, if, you're, if you have a condition in your stomach, um, just recently we prayed for uh, Michael Gentle who had ulcers for many years and um, couldn't go without medication for a few days. And where are you, Michael? You're in the house here somewhere. There he is. And uh, has been free from medication and free from pain and all, all healed up um, by God's power, right? Getting the nod down the back, yes? 
So if you've got a condition in your stomach, it may be stomach, bowels, etc. It might be Crohn's, it might be IBT, it might be something that's, that's causing you continual pain and problems. I just want you to stand in your seat right now. And we're going to believe God together. If it's in your, in your stomach, down into your system, we're just going to believe God together right now, church. Create an atmosphere of faith for the power of the Holy Spirit to flow. I'm going to ask each of you just to come out the front here. There's, there's three, four, five, six, there's seven of us. So we can do this without taking too long. Why don't you just come down the front and we're going to believe together because I want to lay hands on you. I believe in the laying on of hands. I believe there's an impartation of power. Spirit of God. Church, why don't we stand together right now? Just believe God together for His healing power. If you're visiting, I'm just praying in tongues. It's my heavenly language that God gives me. I don't understand what I'm saying, but it's a language of talking to God. Father, right now, I thank you for your healing power. I thank you for your love for each person standing here right now. I thank you. You want them to be free from sickness and from pain. In the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I come in your name. I come against sickness and pain in Jesus' name. Right now, release your healing power. Release your healing power. I break the assignment of the enemy. Loose now in Jesus' name. Release your healing power. Release your healing power right now. Release your healing power right now. God, release healing, release healing, release healing in the name of Jesus. Release healing in the name of Jesus. Release healing in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your anointing that is here. I come against the enemy's plans. Loose healing now. I loose the healing power of God. I release the healing power of God right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I release healing now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let this condition go. In Jesus' name. Go. Lord, right now, release healing. Release healing. Release your power. Release your healing power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's the power of God just coming right now. There's the power of God. There's healing just beginning to flow right now. I can just feel that beginning to flow right now. Beginning to flow right now. That's healing right there. Let it flow. 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 Let that healing power flow. Let it flow in the name of Jesus. Let it flow. There's healing here right now. There's healing here right now. Let it flow. Let it flow. Rakia, 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 rakia. Often when there's healing in the room, you begin to feel uh, heat, pins and needles. It just begins to touch you right now. There's healing here. Just let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's give our healer and saviour a big clap together right now. Wonderful. All right, you can grab your seat, band. You can head off. You've done a great job this morning leading us into the house of God. Thank you very much, babe. Fantastic. What a catch. What a catch, what a catch. Hey, uh, on Wednesday night at United, um, for those of you who weren't able to make it this week, it is actually up on YouTube. Our Uniteds are our gathering together around the vision and the future of our church. I shared some thoughts 
around. Is that all right? We got just a little echoey. If we can, we can lose that echoey while we're going. I shared some thoughts at United about um, just as we're growing and going into the future of a church, broadening out of our groups. And I'm going to talk a little bit of, about that today. It's something that we're we're working on and developing over the next the next few months. So there's there's some exciting things developing. We do, we're doing all right. We're, gonna, we're losing that. Is that just me? Or does it sound, it's not just me. Just say hi to your neighbor for a moment. That's why we lose the echoey thing. So good. It's, otherwise, I'll cross over to handheld. I, I could sing for you. That might help them get it fixed really early. You are good. You are good. <laughs> you brought me out. Except I get the words wrong. Have we got any fellow people who feel it doesn't matter too much about the, what the words are? It's the spirit behind the words. How many of you are like that? How many of you are married to someone that that drives crazy? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm one of those. I'm, I'm just like, whatever, it's just the whole vibe, it's the marbo, it's the words, it doesn't really matter. But I married uh, someone who's quite melancholic in details, and things need to be right. Is that right? Right, yes, all right. And all the melancholics in the house said? Amen. Amen. Come on, be pr- loud and proud, melancholics, be loud and proud right now. <laughs> If you don't know what, what melancholic is, uh, personality types, we're starting these next, des- next steps session very soon. And the week three, Teresa, you, you're, you're melancholy. You're not melancholic. There's not, a, there's not an ounce of melancholy in you, Teresa. Uh, in week three, uh, there's a lab and you actually do uh, personality tests and you do a test of your spiritual gifts, and not to put you in a box, but help to, un- to help to understand yourself more uh, so that you can serve God with the gifts and personality he- he- that you've been given. And you'll find that uh, very fulfilling when you work out where you are and where you fit and you get the round peg and the round hole, uh, your life will become that much more enjoyable, absolutely. We're doing good? Fantastic. Well, let's, uh, let's get into this. Uh, in 1995... I married the love of my life, and uh, that, her name's Danielle, and we're still married and still in love. And, uh, we, you know, both of us have been brought up in the house of God. We've always, you know, loved Jesus. We, we've loved the, the, the house. And, and uh, in the, the bringing up of the house, I've always, for many years, you know, since, probably as a teenager, begun to go to, to small groups. At university, I would go to McDonald's for breakfast with a group of uh, young, young Christians who were at uni, and we would have uh, pancakes with golden syrup and butter. I remember when that came out, uh, when, I, when I was at university and I'd have this small group. And, and then in church life uh, here on the coast, when the, the church started, uh, I was a youth leader and young adult leader, and we'd have small groups and we'd get together. Anyway, Danielle and I made a decision when we first got married that we were going we to make some changes in our life, and uh, we were going we to dedicate the first year or so of our marriage to really getting to know each other. And truth be told, she just couldn't keep her hands off me at that particular moment, and still can't, actually. But, you know, hey, she's only human, what can I say? Okay, I'm living in delusion, as you're well aware. Uh, and so we made this decision that we we're going to, you know, pull back from doing different things and serving and get, getting involved. And, and it all seemed like a good idea at the time. 
But 12 months later, and we were, one of the things, one of the mistakes that we made in that, that season uh, was that we didn't, we weren't continually involved in some sort of small group. So 12 months later, uh, we ended up feeling very isolated. We ended up feeling disconnected from, from church and we'd go to church on Sundays and we were involved. We had, you know, we had uh, a deep sense of connection to, to God and a love of God. Uh, but we, we, we started to get these feelings of disconnection. It was no one's fault. We'd taken a step back. But this feeling of isolation began to kick into us. And, and I remember a particular moment that we sat at our table one night uh, in our little duplex uh, two-bedroom apartment. And we sat at our table and we're having this conversation that went along the lines of this. No one really in the church cares about us. No, don't, you know. Uh, no, no one, and, and no one would, if we were to leave, no one would really notice this feeling of, of isolation began to get stronger on the inside of us. And even as we're talking about it, you can sense a heaviness coming over us and you can sense that the enemy wanted to get involved in these thoughts and these feelings. And the feelings were real. Okay, they were real. But what was coming over the top of the feelings was, was some thoughts that weren't from us, but were from, a, from the enemy, from the devil trying to rip us off. And, and so the feelings began to become judgment. This church is not caring enough. People don't care for us enough. The pastor's not doing his job properly. These are thoughts now. They're judgments. It's moved from feeling to judgments. And before long, out of that place of judgments comes a temptation. Comes a, and we had this conversation. Maybe we should just leave this church. Maybe we should go to another church. Maybe, maybe this is God's way of getting us to go to somewhere else where they'll care for us more or we'll feel more connected. That's the temptation. Now, radically, four years later, we became the senior pastors of this church. So you've probably got to realize that there was a plan in place that God had for our life. The enemy was wanting to come and, and shortcut, sabotage, circumnavigate that plan. And I believe that's the case for many Christians. That God's plan and purpose for our life is found together. It's found in community. It's, it's found in relationship. And the enemy is always trying to isolate us and to cut us off from that relationship where our life will flow, but also where our destiny is a part of. So Danielle and I had this conversation and said, after a while, we, you know, contemplating this, we just looked at each other and said, no, we're not. God's called us here. This is our people. This is our family. Let's bottle this feeling of disconnection because surely everybody must feel it at some point in their spiritual journey. This is not just something that we're going through. Everybody must have this experience. Let's bottle the feeling and let's become part of the solution rather than part of the problem. And so we just, we made, we made some decisions right there at that moment and we began actually to open up our home and to have people over for meals. So we just started to say, we'd find this couple and say, why don't you come over to our family? Young and old, all different ages, but we just began to open up our home and have people around. Then not long after that, we began another group. Uh, we'd been the young adult and youth leaders for a while, but we found that there was a group of young leaders or of young people who are now over 25 and no longer young adults but, and couldn't go to the youth or young adults events anymore. So we started this group called BYO. 
Beyond youth options, okay? Beyond youth options. That's what it was for. And so pe- people would come along in our home and, and that began to flourish. And before, it, within about another 12 months, we were the assistant pastors of the church. Uh, we were quite desperate at that stage, okay? So we became the, the assistant pastors and then we became the pastors. Here, here's what I've worked out. I've worked out that when you discover who Jesus is, you discover your eternity, But when you work out what the church is, you discover your destiny. Your destiny is connected to being planted in the house of God. And the enemy, therefore, will do whatever he can to get you out of the house of God and out of the family of connection. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's the devil. That's his plan. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have a life and that you might have it more abundantly. Life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants you and I to live our best life. He wants you to live your best life. And so here's the deal. If Jesus wants us to live our best life, the enemy wants to sabotage that life by ripping us off, robbing us, and destroying it. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and 9 says this, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that the fam- your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. The enemy is like a roaring lion. And he, will, he is looking to take you out, to, not by any particular rules. He wants to mess your life up by creating disconnection. And the, 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 his strategy often, and this is how it works with a lion. If you've watched any David Attenborough over the years, you'll understand this. You'll be aware that his strategy is to attack those who are young, weak, or isolated. Get them away from the herd, and he'll be able to attack that particular antelope, gazelle, whatever it might be, okay? And that, the Bible doesn't use the, the devil as a lion or as an illustration for no reason. It's a particular reason. It's quite clear because that's the way he operates. His strategy is to work out, now, how can I get them isolated from the family? How can I get them uh, weak and discouraged? How can I get them separated so that I can attack them and destroy not just their destiny, but also their walk with God? And that we need to be aware, the Bible says, of the enemy's schemes. And he'll, he'll do that through all sorts of ways. He'll, it'll be through discouragement and feeling like exactly like Danielle and I felt. No one really cares. We're just going to stay home and eat worms. Okay? Uh, so there'll be discouragement. There'll be offense. Someone will have walked past us and not said hello and we'll start get something in our, on the inside and start to get annoyed. And before long, something, you stick around church long enough and someone, probably me, is going to offend you. I almost guarantee it. It's going to happen because we're all people. And so we all make mistakes. We don't intend to. It's not our intention, but it happens. And so therefore, the enemy will use that to get us all worked up so that he can dislocate us from where we're supposed to be connected. He's trying to dislocate you from your place of authority or he'll try and distract you. It amazes me how so often when a new Christian is starting to go so well with God that a 
perfect job comes up that happens to be on a Sunday and on Connect Group night. It, it amazes me how often that someone who's a new believer or someone who's a little bit wobbly begins a relationship with somebody who just doesn't have that same passion for God and his house. And it's like the dream relationship comes along. And you go, what is that? There's something working behind that to isolate and dislocate us from our source of strength, which has been part of the family of God. So if the enemy has schemes for us, then God has plans for us. He has got plans for us. And you'll find that the plans that God has for you and me are found through, throughout, are specifically stated in the Bible, but also through patterns that are in the Bible. There's, there's patterns and themes. And if we look at the early New Testament church, we'll discover a pattern that, that highlights God's plans for us as his church, the way that he wants us to operate. And it's Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves. Everybody say devoted themselves. To the apostles' teaching. So they didn't have a New Testament, so that's the Bible. To fellowship. That's friendship and relationship. To sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. So that's hospitality together with a spiritual overtone of reflection on what Christ's done for us. And to prayer. Those four things were the, were the key things that the New Testament church devoted themselves to. And then it goes on in verse 46 and says, And they worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes in the, for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity. The pattern of the New Testament church is that there would be a gathering together, a corporate gathering together, where we gather the family and we worship, we hear the word of God preached, where we, there's an opportunity to bring our friends to come and to know Christ, like there'll be an opportunity today in this service, uh, where, there's, where there's an opportunity to give and, and things just happen when we come together. That's one track in church life, but the other is that there would be, meet, there would be meeting and gathering from house to house, yeah. home to home, and they met together. And in that place of home to home, all sorts of different things happen. Now, our church, uh, for a number of many years, have had a strong emphasis and focus on great connect groups. And we've got lots of great connect groups around the life of our church. But this week I, I shared at United, and I want to share with you this morning, a vision for the broadening out of our groups in the life of our church. We want there to be a place where everybody who comes to our church can find a seat at the table. There's room for everybody. There's a place that's going to be a fit for you. If you're new to the church, your Christianity won't just thrive by coming to church on Sundays. You need to be part of, of at least a group of believers who gather together and there's life in it. And I want to share together now the broader vision for our church in terms of groups. So that vision for our groups, is it encompasses connect groups, which we've always traditionally done. Uh, mixed groups, men's groups, women's groups, uh, groups for people at a different, a similar age and stage to life, where people gather together to encourage one another, pray together, grow together spiritually. This is a great strength already of our church where that happens across the board. And you, just so you understand, uh, in, in the life of our church, we have our church kind of across five different um, 
ge- or not geographical, but demographic areas. We have our kids' ministry. We have our youth ministry, uh, 13 to eight, 17. We have our young adults' ministry, 18 to 25. And then our adults uh, above 25 is broken down into three areas, uh, 25 to 35, 35 to 50, and 50 plus. And essentially, you can go to groups in whatever area that you like. That's the, that's, but that's so that we know and we can help you find groups and that there's a pastor over every area of our church. Okay, So connect groups are the first part of our vision for groups. The next part is that we would have prayer groups flowing all the way through our church. Uh, You know, for a number of years, I've led a monthly Wednesday morning prayer group, and it's on this Wednesday morning. It's an open prayer meeting. It's for people who believe they've got the gift of giving. And when you've got the gift of giving, then you need to pray into that. You need, to, you need to learn how to pray with faith. And so once a month, I gather together with, with a group of men and women who feel that that's the call of God and teach and pray together on how to pray in faith. And so right across our church, there's intercessors meet, uh, groups of, of prayer that meet every fortnight. But we're envisaging a range of groups where if you're new in your walk with God, you can pray with someone and learn how to pray effectively. There's nothing more powerful that will change your life than learning how to connect with God in a way where you feel His presence, where He speaks to you, where you get above your problems, where you learn how to pray for miracles. And often the best way to do that is not a classroom, but it's a prayer group. Pray alongside of people. So there's a, a number of those that are kicking off in the life of our church. The third type of groups that's part of our vision is that we would have course-based groups. These are usually short course uh, short courses that, that hit on particular areas, might be marriage, it might be parenting, might be budgeting, healthy lifestyle, sexual discipleship, a range of groups. Often those courses will be run in connect groups, but sometimes they're going to be just standalone groups that run for four weeks or six weeks or eight groups, eight weeks uh, for a term or for a particular period of time. This is so that we're equipping people for life throughout the life of our church, okay? Uh, then the, the fourth one, uh, we've, we've traditionally called social groups. We're going to call it interest groups. This is where people go, I've got a common interest. Let's get together. And these can be weekly, fortnightly, or monthly. But I want to get together. Some might be surfing. Some might be golfing. Some might be crocheting. Some might be whatever it might be that works for you. Getting together. And and a really great opportunity to bring new people into the life of church through these groups. And then the fifth type of group that we're our vision for is for, for support groups. And this, this is where people can get alongside one another and go, hey, I walked through a difficult time or I'm walking through a difficult time. And, and maybe you're going through that same sort of season in your life and you need someone to just meet together and, be, and support one another. Maybe it's a divorce recovery group for a period of time. Uh, maybe it's, it's a, a parent whose, whose children are facing significant financial or, or children, a parent whose children are facing significant health issues, okay? And so a support group would be a chance to get together, share about that challenge, and pray for one another, okay? So that's five types of groups. That's our vision. Our vision is that anyone in the life of our church who's part of our church can run a group. And the doorway to run a group is to go to the next step session three and four, Discover your purpose, the way you're wired, and then do level four, and then you'll get on a pathway to how you can effectively be trained to run a group in the life of our church. You know, there's over 30 commands in the New Testament that are for, uh, for believers on how we should operate together in terms of loving one another, caring for one another, honoring one another. There's 30, not suggestions, but commands of the kingdom 
that cannot be fulfilled unless you're part of a family of believers with an expression. And in our church groups are the way that we do that. All right. All right. So I want to just take, there's lots of reasons to be part of a group, but I want to just talk about three together right now. I just want us to take this time to talk about three great reasons to be make a commitment to gather with your church family uh, regularly in a, in a small group setting. All right. The first one is motivation. Motivation. Now, in an ideal world, we would all be spiritually high and full of the love of God all the time and not need really much else. But we don't live in an ideal world. And it's pretty easy to drift away from the things that we want to do because of busyness, tiredness, all the things I've talked about. It's pretty easy. So we need one another for motivation. Uh, a number of years ago, I've shared this story, but, but I just started to get some motivation to get fit again. And I'd, I'd kind of slacked off my fitness and I'd started to walk. It was my first step. Who knows, you've just, when you're starting something new, you've just got to take, it, take a small step. So I'd started to walk. Don't judge me right now. And I was walking, okay, down at Kings Beach. And as I, I, I do that, well, semi-regularly, I was just taking a step towards fitness. And I went to a conference. And at this conference, there was a, there was a break in the afternoon. I thought, I'm going to go for a walk. I'll go to the gym. I'll jump on a treadmill. And I'll go for a walk. Well, I got down to that gym and there's all these pastors pressing weights, they're, they're like muscle bound, fit as, flying on the treadmill. And I hopped on beside one of my good friends, Pastor Andrew Magruder, and he was there and he was, he was jogging on the treadmill. And I hopped on the treadmill and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I'm going to walk while he's jogging. I haven't jogged for a long time, but I'm going to, so I get on, I have a look at what he's put his on, and I put mine on the same thing, because, you know, since I got married to Danielle, I've become quite competitive. <sighs> no, actually, I've always been very competitive, so I hop on, and, and, and I just, I start to jog, and after a while, I think, this is actually not too hard. And I put it up a little bit, and I just keep running along, I keep running along, I do my time, and I realize that there's more in me than I thought there was. And it began from that moment. That moment became the catalyst for me running three times a week for the next couple of years. It was just, I just needed some iron to sharpen iron. I just needed a spark to get me going for something I wanted to do. A few years later, I felt like I'd plateaued again. And so I thought, I need to do something and I, that's going to take me out of my comfort zone of where I am right now to be part of a group who are all motivated for fitness. So I joined a boot camp at the beach. And I found that at, at first, it was quite nerve-wracking like because I didn't know any of them. And so I knew one guy who was going to go along, and it was, it was quite a big deal. I'm fairly confident it was quite a big deal just to go to this group of people who I didn't really know. What's going to happen? Am I going to be embarrassed? Are they going to ask me, you know, a bit like a small group, are they going to ask me to pray in front of everybody? That, that would be embarrassing. Are they going to ask me to run in front of everybody and show whether, how unfit I am? That, but, I, but I went along, and, and I began to be part of this group, and I found my fitness levels just jumped again significantly for a few reasons. One, I had a trainer, like you know, a group trainer who was telling us what to do and how to do it. So that really helped me. I don't have to think about it. They're helping me. Two, uh, I began, uh, I, I, was, I was kind of running beside people and doing all these exercises that, that there was like a spark of competitiveness, but also motivation. 
Just watching people, it's like, oh, I can go further than I thought I could. Now, it would be five years since I've been doing that. I've, I've got a whole group of friends that I really love and really enjoy. There's a fitness aspect to it. There's a social aspect to it. And so what started out as wanting just some fitness growth to go to another level has become a holistic part of my world. I've taken my kids along to do it. It sort of created this whole vibe. It created motivation for me. I get this text. It's on tomorrow morning. I'm like, okay, I don't have to motivate myself. I push myself further when I'm part of a group. The Bible tells us that, that physical exercise is good, but it tells us that spiritual exercise is better because it's important for this life and the future life. And all of us, we want to learn to pray more effectively. We want to have this great walk with God. We want to overcome the challenges. We, we want to do these things. And, we, and this is what we need. Hebrews 10 says this, 24 to 25. Let us things, think of ways to motivate one another. I need motivation. You need motivation. One, so think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's not neglect our meetings together as some people do. But let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You want to be on fire for God? You've got to be part of a group of people who want to be on fire for God. You want an effective prayer life? You know, you've got to be part of a group that's teaching you and inspiring you to pray. You want a great marriage? It's great to hang around with people who've got a marriage that you aspire to. Get part of a group. It will help you be motivated. It's too easy to stay home and watch Netflix all the time. Come on, it's just too easy to be searching the internet and, and just and wasting time. There are groups that are just waiting for you to come along and be part of, and they'll be motivating. All right, that's the first thing. You get motivation. The second is, in groups, we experience freedom and healing. We experience freedom and healing. Now, when we meet Christ, when you, when you first give your life to Jesus, when you first come into that relationship with Him that you were designed and created for, all of us bring stuff from our past. We've all got baggage. Some of us hide it better than others. But we've all got baggage. We've all got areas of dysfunction from things that have happened in our past. We've all, some of us, it might be from unhealthy relationships, destructive thought patterns, addictions. Maybe there's anxiety. Maybe there's depression. Maybe there's pain that we carry on the inside that we then we, we put onto other people because we've been hurt in our past. Maybe it's disappointment that we carry from past experiences. Maybe it's shame and guilt that, that we, we feel because of our sin and our mistakes that we carry with us. Now, here's, the, here's the, the good news, is when we meet Jesus, he has no intention of us leaving, leaving us carrying that stuff on our back or carrying it on the inside. He said, I've come to heal up the brokenhearted. The problem is that if we don't deal with our past, it will sabotage our future. If we don't find a way to deal with the things that haunt us or disturb us or that we're carrying forward, it will wreck us in, in our future. And so for us as a church, our value is in gathering together. We are a loving church. We're committed to encouraging and caring for one another in every season of life. That means there will be seasons of life where we need to go through, through, through um, deep moments of getting free from the past and getting God healing us in our heart. I want to share something that's quite fascinating to me. And it's, it's this idea. When you become a Christian and you ask God to forgive you of your past, Jesus forgives you in a moment. 
He forgives you. The end of this service, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your mistakes in your past, if you've never felt the lightness and peace that comes from having that washed away in a moment because you put your faith in Christ, there'll be an opportunity to pray a prayer that will change your life, okay? But here's the thing. When you ask Christ to forgive you, the Bible tells us he's faithful and true and he cleanses us from sin. He cleanses us, he forgives us. But the Bible also tells us this in James 5 verse 16, if you confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another you, that you may be healed. So you can be forgiven of sin through confessing it to Christ, but healing in our soul, in our heart, and in our emotion, God has wired it up that we need other people to experience healing in our soul. Forgiveness comes directly with me and Jesus. But Jesus says, if you've got some anger issues from your past and through buried things, you need to talk to somebody about that. You need to get that out. And in the getting out, as they pray for you, you'll find something comes into the light the power of it's broken, and suddenly I'm starting to get free. Suddenly that, that thing that's been banging around in my head for the last five years, I shared it with some trusted friends. I shared it with some people who care for me. They prayed for me, and the power of it broke, and I don't have to keep having that tiring, exhausting, emotional battle in my mind about something that Jesus paid the price for, for me not to carry, but I needed other people to help me get set free. I needed other people. So, so groups are all about creating an atmosphere where I bring things into the light. I just, just recently, uh, I met, Danielle and I met and we were with, with a group and we're around a table. And one of those things I shared, and I remember just in the sharing of it in, and getting it out in the light, someone else just laughed and said, oh yeah, we've been through that. that, that you know, and we began to talk about it. And it's like the power of this thing that had been worrying and, and causing anxiety in me just got broken through the power of a small group around a table sharing something. This is the design that God has for his believers to gather together as a family. We break the power. We experience freedom and healing. And then the third thing is this. We experience growth. We experience growth. Uh, just recently, we've got this fig tree in a pot in the backyard, and it was not growing. This wasn't growing. It was just like one, two little leaves. So we grabbed it, and we repositioned it, into a place where I was going to get a lot of sun. It is remarkable to me over the next few weeks how when that thing got positioned right, it's got figs growing, like within weeks, it's got figs growing out of it, it's got leaves going, it's just gone ballistic. It just within a, just within a, a positioning of a few weeks. And the only thing we really did is we moved it out of, a out of the wrong place into a place where it was going to be exposed to more sunlight, which is what it needed, and growth just kicked in. And as I saw that, I was thinking about us together as a church. And it made me think that often we can be positioned in a place where we're not exposed enough to the right thing that we need in our life. And therefore, we can be unfruitful. And unfruitfulness, whether it be in our character, whether it be in our emotional world, or whether it be in the call that God's put on us, but unfruitfulness is frustrating. It's just frustrating. You're like, you want to be different. You want to be changed. You want, you want things to be going better. You want to be making a difference and you get frustrated. And yes, you're singing the song, though the fig tree doesn't blossom. You might be singing that song. It's a scripture. All right? 
If, yeah, if you knew what that song was, you might be singing that, all right? It's an Old Testament song, all right? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to praise God anyway. But sometimes just a repositioning into a place where love's coming into your world, where truth's coming into your world, where you're surrounded by the right people, sometimes you can just all of a sudden go, man, I've begun to pray with someone every week and now my prayer life's gone to another level. And when that went to another level, my whole life has begun to change. And now I'm getting fruitfulness and things that I'm just growing leaves here, left, right and center. Why is that? Because you get repositioned. I believe when you get positioned in the right group or groups, you'll find that you begin to get into this place. You get the right input. You begin to get wisdom. You begin to get life skills. You begin to hang around with people who go, oh, you know what? Uh, I used to struggle with this. But then I began to do these things. And those things have kicked in my finances, my, my, my emotions, my marriage, my parenting, the, my, my uh, moving in the gifts of God in my life. They've all they've kicked into another level. How did that happen? Because you got connected to the right people and growth begins to happen. Colossians 2.19 says this, Do not, And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Nourished and knit together. We are a body. If your shoulder gets dislocated, ow, it will hurt. It will cause pain and problems, not just here, but your whole body, your ability to function. As I started out earlier, the enemy wants to dislocate you from the relationships that are going to nourish and bring strength into your life. He will find whatever way he can to stop you being in that place. God wants you not to be dislocated, but to knit together knit together and life will flow doesn't even it's not even sometimes you're not doing anything spiritual per se but it is spiritual the gathering together of the church family is spiritual even if you're just eating food it's spiritual there's something powerful that's happening in the breaking of bread and sacred hospitality never without mentioning the fact that when we begin to pray together our prayer life becomes way multiplied in effectiveness because when two or three agree on something in my name, it'll be done. Where two or three gather, there I am in the midst, okay? So when we get together, you'll find that growth will begin to flow into your life. Can I get a keyboardist come up for us right now? That would be great. Why don't we close our eyes right across this room. Father, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for your love here. Lord, I know you're speaking to people today because you want to position them in a place of growth, position them in a place to experience healing and freedom. Help us to be motivated on a continual basis. Lord, right across this room, I'm asking that you would move in our hearts to make a commitment to gather together in groups. Maybe it's a prayer group, a connect group, support group, interest group, all sorts of groups. If you're wanting to start one, I said earlier the way that you can do that, you can have a chat to one of the pastors about getting on that track. But if you're just feeling God nudge you this morning about making a commitment, a fresh commitment to gather together in some kind of group, 
I just want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm making that fresh commitment today. Right across this room, just raise it up real high. I'm making that fresh commitment. There's life for you in that group. There's life for you. It's awesome. So many people. Make that commitment. Don't be dislocated. Father, I pray for every person raising their hand right now. I break the enemy's power and assignment to dislocate, to isolate, to disengage people. And I pray, Father, that the love of God would flow through the gathering together this week and for months to come.